Ah, welcome to the Canada Club. I'm your host, Canada. This is episode 19. We are going back to back. Don't say I don't love my club members. Okay, and I said it on my Facebook. If we get to 300, we are going to reveal. I say we, it's me, Canada, and my bipolar personality, Chris. We are going to reveal to the world the next Stern title after Rush, okay? And that's almost there. We're almost there. We're at like 270 something. I think we only need 26 more people to join. So grab a friend, grab a child, grab your wife. Let's make this number 300 happen. So on this club episode, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to tell you responses from distributors based on my last club episode yesterday in which I said, why does Stern Pinball And why do pinball companies even need distributors? Why don't they sell directly with all of the people banging on their door for product, right? Because you don't really need a sales force. But that's not what distributors and dealers do. I'm going to fill you in on what I heard. Also want to talk quickly about Spooky Pinball, the hardest company in all of pinball to talk about. Because if you say anything people don't want to hear, they jump down your It is just like if you say anything negative about a Keith Elwin pin, nobody will accept it. But surely, surely there are some outlane draining issues happening in Godzilla that nobody can talk about it. I tried to talk about it on my Facebook page and people go crazy. It's unbelievable. You can't say anything bad about Keith Elwin. Okay, so Here is why in a world in which there is supply shortages, in a world in which so many people have come into the pinball hobby, in a world in which so many rich guys want to collect pinball machines, why don't pinball companies sell you product directly? And the top line answer to all of that is they don't want to deal with the headaches that are known as customers. They don't want to deal with all of the payments and the shipping information and all of this stuff. It is so much easier for Stern Pinball to have distributors who act more like, they're not like the sales showroom. They are more like the service department of a car dealership. And if you know anything about a car dealership, it really is the service department where the most money is made, but it's not so much about money. What Stern really wants is peace of mind. So they have all of these distributors all over the world and all over the country in America, and they handle the customers. They handle the financial transactions. They handle whenever there's an issue. If your node board eight goes out, they don't want to have to have thousands of people coming after them. In a way, it basically thins out It thins out their responsibility and it's the responsibility of the distributor and the dealer to help out each customer. Now, luckily for Stern, their quality issues are pretty damn good. So that is why Stern wants to have distributors. They want to have dealers. They want to have more people out there handling more customers and that's less work they have to do. So it makes total sense. There really was only one time we saw Stern sell directly, and that was the Batman SLE. Now, still, many of those ended up with distributors as like thank yous for all the sales of games in the past. So that begs the question then, should Jersey Jack sell their next CE directly? We all saw the debacle that happened when they did it last time. They undercut the allocation for their distributors because they sold direct, and that caused a huge headache. And I doubt we're going to see Jersey Jack Pinball do it again because if there's any company, think about it, if there's any company out there 
that wants to have a distributor and a dealer force that helps deal with customer service quality issues. If there is any company out there that needs all the help they can get in keeping customers happy, it's Jersey Jack Pinball, the number one pinball company with the number one number of problems in pinball. They have the greatest quality control issues, but it's still strange, right? When I got my replacement playfield for Guns N' Roses, it wasn't done through my distributor. They still made their customers email Jersey Jack Pinball. And I kind of feel like, why? Like, why did they do it that way? It's almost like they still don't utilize their distributors and their dealers appropriately. It's like they're always kind of making it up as they go. I still think it should have been handled through the distributor. Like, if I want to get a replacement playfield for my Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition, I should have gone to Joe Newhart at Pinball Star and done everything through him. Why am I sending emails to JJP? waiting for JJP to get back to me. No, Joe should be collecting everything from all of his customers that want replacements. And then Joe is the single point of contact between JJP and all of those customers. Now JJP has to deal with each individual customer. Why did they do it that way? Doesn't that seem like such a bigger headache to do it that way? Because now when you want to know, oh, where's my play field? They're going to get emails from all of those people versus just getting one email from Joe Newhart. And then Joe Newhart can go back to all of his customers in one single communication and tell them what's up. The other big thing I heard, and I heard this from Cointaker, is they pay a lot of money monthly to Stern Pinball. Like they're feeding Stern Pinball's bank account and they don't want to turn that off because it's basically like guaranteed revenue every month. And it's not just Cointaker, it's all these dealers and distributors. Stern can pretty much bank on, we're going to get this many orders from these many dealers and distributors and that is our constant revenue stream. They would never turn that off. And as we know, as we know, the way they do it for every LE you buy, you have to buy premiums and pros. It's such a super smart model and it works so well for them. Now, there's still gonna be a shortage of games. There is still gonna be a shortage of supply. And if you're new to the pinball hobby and you just joined this hobby this year, your chances of getting an LE are getting further and further away. The good news is if there are 25 new dealers popping up in America that will sell Stern machines, that is your shot to get in early with those new dealers and try to get on their forever list for each LE machine. You need to find a way to do that. You have to build those relationships. It always annoys me when people get mad that I get games. Like I haven't built relationships with these distributors over the years, that I haven't made 650 podcasts about pinball, that I'm not talking to people about pinball on a weekly basis. I make this hobby fun for thousands of people every single week. Well, not this week because it's only the club members, but it's fun. And so do the other pinball podcast content creators. And do they get special treatment? Absolutely. Should they get special treatment? Absolutely. Because there are things in life that matter more than money. And that is relationships. And that is giving something of value to people that goes beyond money. Money's the easy part. There are so many rich people out there that want an LE. But if you're a distributor 
Are you going to give this LE to someone you've known for 10 years that you love or give it to a new rich guy who just wants to become the Johnny Come Lately collector? Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. That's the guy that's going to buy my machine when I flip it. That's the guy who's going to have to spend 50% more to get Godzilla. That's just the way it goes, people. So let's move on to Spooky Pinball. I just want to say this. I've been in the Ultraman threads. I've been in the Halloween threads. I'm an owner of an Ultraman number 500. And I want to say that the reason why I bought Ultraman is because I wanted to support a company like Spooky. I wanted to support a company that has never ripped anybody off. I wanted to support a company that has the best play fields in pinball. I wanted to support a company that is always delivered. They haven't always delivered the best games. They haven't always delivered the most magic under glass, but I wanted to support them. I also fell victim to the FOMO. And as you know, last year, I didn't like Mandalorian. And so when these games came out in July, I ran to them and I felt the FOMO, like I need to get one. They're only making 500. The truth is this now, as I look back on it and I have a new perspective, 500 Ultraman is too many for this hobby. It's too many. It's not the kind of title that has like, take my money now. I actually went against my own advice. I actually am somewhat embarrassed and ashamed of myself that I did this because I can't go on the airwaves for five years and tell everybody out there that listens that you should buy a dream theme, that you should buy a game that's a world under glass, that you should buy a game that has magical toys and real engineering, that you should buy a game that emotionally moves you and ultimately creates pinball moments you'll never forget. If I go down that list of all of those things I've been saying you should look for in a pinball machine, this game delivers on none of them for me. None of them. It's not a dream theme. It doesn't have this magical world under glass. There's no magical toy in the game. There is absolutely no modes or codes or callouts right now that are memorable. There's absolutely nothing that it checks other than beautiful artwork, other than a company that I want to support via goodwill, and other than it's Japanese-based, so it's perfect for my Japanese Neo Tokyo arcade. But it is gorgeous. And there's a reason why Spooky showed us the gorgeous artwork and didn't show us the gameplay. Because they knew if they showed people playing the game, they knew if they showed where these games were code-wise, they were not going to get 1,750 people to buy them day one if they showed that. They knew that. And it was smart. Like Chuck and company, super smart. I mean, they made at least $1.75 million in one day. They made more than that because some of the deposits were $2,000. They made that in one day. A company that couldn't sell 150 America's Most Haunted for almost two years. So it was super smart. And as a marketer, when you go into a room and you say, hey, we got to launch this thing. We got to keep the line moving. We don't have the code anywhere near where we want it to be. What should we do? Well, here's what we should do. The games look beautiful. Let's just reveal the themes. We'll reveal the beautiful artwork on the playfield and on the cabinet, but we won't show any of the software. And that's exactly what they did. And we have nobody to blame. I mean this, none of us who are feeling somewhat anxious now. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. Spooky didn't make us buy these games. Spooky didn't make us like give money. We knew we didn't see gameplay. 
We knew we didn't see any code. We knew we didn't hear any callouts. We knew this. We didn't know how many assets were in Halloween. We have no idea what's even in Ultraman. I mean, there is no way there are 500 diehard Ultraman fans out there who bought these machines. No, it looks fun. It looks campy. But is the game great? We didn't know. And yet we bought it. And that is a primary example of how FOMO works. And it got too many of us. And it got too many of us. How am I feeling right now? I'm not really anxious because, look, I think I'm probably going to end up losing at least 500 bucks on this game. If I want to get out on Ultraman 500, there's no way I'm getting out at sticker price. There's no way. There's no way. There's too many of them. There's too many Halloweens out there. People don't really want these games right now. And if you look at the apologists, and I see them on Pinside, this is a bad sign. The game just came out. Guess what other game just came out? Godzilla. Look at what's happening with the enthusiasm around Godzilla and look what's happening around the enthusiasm with this game. You can't get a Godzilla anywhere near sticker price. Godzilla came out. It's the number one ranked game of all time on Pinside. Halloween comes out. And it's the number 49th ranked game of all time on Pinside. And if you look at the Halloween ranking, it's deceiving because there's only 15. But I've spoken to a lot of people. They're not happy, but they're not doing reviews. And that's the other part is like people have this sort of thumper approach to pinball companies. If you can't say something nice about a pinball machine or a pinball company, don't say anything at all. And I'm telling you right now. On this club episode, that is the problem with Spooky Pinball because they're not really hearing the feedback the way they need to hear it. And here is my feedback for Spooky Pinball. You need to buy the games of your competitors. You need to buy Stern Games and Jersey Jack Games and you are now at a price point where your games are close enough to all these games that you need to say to yourself, how do we get our games to be at this standard? It is not impossible to find illustrators in this world. There are so many illustrators that can code for a pinball machine. It's not just the guy in France doing Jersey Jack games. It's not just who Stern has. There are so many computer graphic designers that could make the animations in these games amazing. There is no excuse. There's no excuse. And if you look at who they hired for Halloween, like go look at that company's like website. They got what they paid for. That's the level of animations he does. And it is what it is. And I'm not here to like slam the guy's company. That's his talent level. But for an eight to $10,000 pinball machine, and then you look at what Stern has in its games, you look at what JJP has, you look at what CGC has, heck, even like American Pinball before Legends of Ahala that has no animations, they need to get this company further along in the software department. They also need to hire more people that understand engineering and put more into the games. And I'm saying this not because I'm trying to rag on Spooky. I'm saying this because I want Spooky games to get better. And we need to stop with this like, oh, it's cruel to do that. And I hear people say like, Canada's turning on them now by saying this. No, I'm not turning on them. They've been around for seven years. They're making a lot of money now. They can make a decent amount of games a year. But the fact that when you look at what's on the screen and you see the coding of the game, you realize like, man, these guys really bit off way more than they could chew. Way more. 
It is hard enough to code one game at a time. Was Spooky Pinball the company that could code two games at the same time using the same rule set with different assets on radically different themes? Like who thought that was a good idea? We're gonna make two games with the same layout, the same rule set, and then we're gonna have to use radically different assets and make all the modes work in each? That sounds so much harder than just doing what they should have done, which is make a thousand Halloweens, make it its own game, code it everything, a dedicated team to Halloween, and then make a separate Ultraman game. I don't even think you should use the same layout, but if you wanted to, fine, use the same layout, but it needed to be completely done differently. Two separate teams working on two separate games. If I called a meeting, I would say, Team A, you're on Halloween. You focus on this game. Team B, you're on Ultraman. You do what you want. Don't even compare notes. I want these games taken in the direction that's going to do these themes justice. And I don't want you to talk to each other. I want you to make each of these games amazing. I don't even want you to think about the fact that they're both the same design. I don't. I want you individually to make this the greatest Halloween experience possible. And I want you to make this the greatest Ultraman experience possible. And that is how you need to do it. You can't have Phosma sitting in the middle of both of these games trying to figure out how to do it because that's why we're getting what we're getting right now. You're getting each entree is half-baked and he can't possibly cook both of these at the same time. And all of the apologists hate that I'm saying this. All of the apologists call this toxic and controversial. No, this is common sense. This is common sense. If this was the way to do it, we would see other companies do this. We're not. I think Spooky got ahead of themselves. I think they were looking at the money and the number of games they could make. And I think they jumped too far ahead. They went from 750 games to a thousand more than that. 1,750. But I don't think they really got in a room and said, hey, are we putting too much pressure on manufacturing and we're not going to have enough time to actually make these games magical? We're not going to have enough time to take these games in the right direction from a code standpoint. Do we have enough people in-house who know how to do this? We are a young team. We have lost some experienced people. Do we have the ability to do this? And I think what we're witnessing right now is they are building the ship in the ocean. The ship has already been sold out. Every room is spoken for on this ship, but this ship is being built at sea. And we don't know if it's going to be an amazing journey or if it's going to sink. And I'm not sure. I'm not here to say that these games are going to stink. I don't know. But what I do know is this. I don't want to have to wait 18 months to know whether or not I made a good decision. I want to know on day one, this game is awesome. That's what Godzilla was. Day one, this game is awesome. Guns N' Roses, day one, this game is awesome. Lord of the Rings, day one, this game is awesome. Tron, day one, this game is awesome. You could go down the list of games. Day one, this game is awesome. If you're going to reveal a game and you're going to put it out on location, I mean, people forget this. They ship these games on location with some of the buggiest software. They had no business being on location. They're not ready for prime time yet. You can't put them in barcades and have the code crashing left and right. What is going 
on Canada Club episode 19. Tell your friends to join the club. I'm only one cup of coffee in. Have an amazing Thanksgiving, everybody. I love you, and I love talking about this hobby with you. We'll be back later. Time won't fly. It's like I'm paralyzed by it. I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. After plaid shirt days and nights when you made me your own. Now you mail back my things and I walk home alone. But you keep my own.